What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and as always, on a Friday, I am joined by Kyle Posey. What is up, Kyle? Hey, man. How you doing? Nothing much my way. Just ready for the weekend and going to protect my kneecaps if I go outside, apparently. <laughs> I mean, look, if if anybody knows bad coaches from the introductory press conference, it's 49ers fans. Having lived through the Chip Kelly and the Jim Tom Sula years, and for Dan Campbell to go on that rant about how if you knock the Lions down, they're going to get back up, but they'll take out one of your kneecaps. I mean, what the hell was that? that? That was a madman. That was a guy who you would thought was on his way to go into like a UFC ring or some sort of that. Just um, I know like football is like a rah-rah sport and you want to get your guys excited. And, and I get players want to quote unquote run through a wall for somebody. But at what point do we draw the line? Because that was borderline and probably not borderline, but just crazy talk. And like, we've seen weird head coach. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was a weird dude. He said weird things. He did weird things, but I never got the feeling that he was incompetent. But when I saw that Dan Campbell, like rant, and then combine that with the sign outside his office says, Head coach slash the dude. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a good look. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like that's just a thing or this is just a one-time thing because he referenced in his press conference about the Big Lebowski and the dude, and he said, no, it's cool to call me that. Please do. It really felt like that whole thing was just a giant reality TV show. Real quick story because you brought up Jim Harbaugh being the crazy person that he is, and I want to be very clear. Yes, that is accurate. Uh, He came to a high school that I coached at before he was recruiting a player. Once that player signed, he came back, jumped in the pool with that player with all of his clothes on. No exaggeration. Jim Harbaugh did that. So uh, Dan Campbell, you have a long way to go if you want to top old Jim. But based on your introductory uh, presser, you are primed and you are going to catch him very soon. Like you tell that story and I I 100% I have no trouble believing it because Jim Harbaugh was a crazy person. Um, we're going to actually get into a little bit of the Lions here, the dude's team, because there's a lot of interesting things going on. Let's start with Martin Mayhew, who used to be in Detroit, was in San Francisco. Congratulations to him. He now goes to the Washington football team. He is their general manager. Silver lining for the 49ers, they get an extra third-round draft pick. Hooray. That will be three third-round picks in the over the next three years that the 49ers will get because Robert Sala left and because Martin Mayhew left. One, just really quick, is this a good move for Washington? Yeah, I imagine so because Mayhew has experience as a general manager. And he was the Lions GM from 08 to 2015, I believe. And if you just see how the San Francisco, how their organization has been in the past four years, and I'm not saying that Mayhew was responsible for all the best draft picks and um, he he gets, he doesn't get any um, shade, quote unquote, for the bad picks. But you have to imagine John Lynch brought him on because he had did not have any GM experience. So if there's somebody who can kind of show you the ropes, that is Mayhew. And I imagine he has familiarity in Washington as well. So, yeah, for them, as far as that goes, I imagine he's going to do very well for them as far as, you know, bringing in good players and helping change the culture, much like what happened in San Francisco. Yeah, the 49ers released a statement. I think John Lynch actually specifically credited Mayhew with helping to establish the culture in San Francisco. And this is sort of how it ties back to the Lions. 
because I don't know if you saw this, Boomer Esiason said on CBS Sports Radio that he's hearing that Matthew Stafford wants out. Well, who drafted Matthew Stafford in Detroit? That would be Martin Mayhew. So is it possible that maybe Mayhew wants Matt Stafford and possibly makes a move for him? He's been rumored for the 49ers as well. So all these sort of worlds are colliding. Why wouldn't you? So they don't have a quarterback. Obviously, they lost Dwayne Haskins. Nobody knows you know, how healthy Alex Smith is, how healthy Alex Smith will be able to remain. If you have an opportunity to get a guy like Matt Stafford, you should get a guy like Matt Stafford. And with Mayhew's familiarity, with their division, I feel like the NFC East is a dumpster fire. We all know that. So <laughs> with how well Washington played this, and their, their defense is really, really good. So if they get a quarterback like Stafford, yeah, that'd be great. I imagine... You know, that's another thing. Stafford isn't going to cost the same as the Deshaun Watson would. It might take only a first and maybe another future pick as opposed to just trading the farm. So if, we're, if, if I'm Washington and Mayhew and Rivera, pull the trigger on that. Happy trails, Martin Mayhew. Good luck to you. But he was a VP of player personnel with the 49ers. They had two, Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew. Do you think that they replace him? Does Adam Peters just kind of become the sole guy? What? How do you see the 49ers sort of reacting to this? I don't think that they have to do anything. I don't think they have to replace him just because Lynch, as I mentioned, so they have they brought in Mayhew to help change the culture, and they had Adam Peters with the same title. Because Adam Peters has the same title, they don't necessarily have to promote anybody. So now that Lynch has a few years under his belt, he probably doesn't need the same assistance he needed year one, year two when Mayhew was around. So I imagine they'll just continue to just keep rolling how they are right now. And they probably don't add another, you know, high executive in their front office. The front, well, real quick, the front, the high executive in their front office is Kyle Shanahan. So no, they're not going to add somebody else. Accurate. Um, by the way, did you look, so I've been, as all these sort of staff changes have been happening, I've been going to the 49ers coaching staff page frequently just to see like, uh, are they updating it? Who are the other guys that may get bumped up? The picture that they have of Kyle Shanahan on that page. First of all, he looks like he's about 15 years old. And you just compare that with how Kyle looked at the end of this season. Like he aged in dog years this year. It's incredible. Yeah, if you look, and, and I've done this before, so it's funny you brought that up, Just be, even at the beginning of the season compared. So now, yes, there's a lot more gray hairs in here. He just looks tired is the best way to describe it. He just looks kind of, man, is it over yet? Is the season over yet? But no, that's pretty funny because he looked, yeah, as you said, he looks like a baby in, in the early pictures, and he's just like, quote unquote, aged, as you said, dog years so much, man. I don't I don't know. I can only imagine the stresses that he's gone through because every time it seems like the 49ers just have the worst case scenario happen to them. So whatever Kyle did to the football gods, man, I hope that they've forgiven him now because uh, he just doesn't deserve anything else. He, You know what? I think he's probably OK right now because I think isn't he in Cabo with like George Kittle and a bunch of other dudes? Yeah, they have his boy down there, too. So they're just kind of, you know, letting loose after the season. And this is a time to kind of get away from football, clear your mind, because I don't think people understand the grind that they go through from, you know, mini there wasn't any minicamp last year. So in this situation, July, all the way through the end of December. So they'll probably take a few weeks to just get away completely and. Uh, when they come back, they're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions. So, like, while this will be fun for the month of January or whatnot, and and to be fair, 
Kyle is definitely down there watching football players. Let's not be. Yeah, let, he's working. That's just what he does. That's in his blood. That's in his nature. So while it's probably good to get away, I just he just doesn't strike me as a person that can can actually take more than one day off from football. Yeah, I I agree with you. He just seems like an absolute grinder. Plus, the other thing now, too, I know that they were saying a lot of the time uh, they think that this offseason is pretty much going to be like last offseason with, you know, basically everything virtual. Well, they've got all the systems in place now. Like they they know how to do it, for lack of a better term. So if they have to do that, like he's they're prepared and ready. So I'm sure he's learned to work a lot more mobile, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So everything's going to be digital once again or virtual. And I, what I want to know is how does that, is that make them more efficient? And I guess, I don't know if there's a way for us to find that out, but with the combine changing and the senior bowl is going to be the only thing that's really stays the same, but the combine's probably going to be virtual. Uh, they're going to have just regional combines. I imagine regional rechecks that is for medical rechecks. So yeah, I, I wonder how much more efficient the 49ers would be in that regard. And that I've been sort of cooking up this theory in my head. It's it's a borderline hot take. It's like a it's like a warm take that because everything is virtual with the combine, it's all different. The college football season was crazy. There was cancellations and who played what schedule. It was totally different. I feel like there is an opportunity this year for certain teams to get players that they might not normally have a shot of getting just because there's not as much film on them or they don't have the opportunity to kill it at the combine like normal. So I just feel like, especially with quarterbacks, basically it's my long-winded way of saying the 49ers could end up with Trey Lance. (laughs) So in that situation, let me play devil's advocate here. Wouldn't you kind of take even more of a risk knowing that, hey, we don't know what's going on. We don't have the information that we would in years past. So let me grab a guy that I think could be quote unquote the guy as opposed to letting him slip so we've seen in mock drafts a lot lately Trey Lance who has thrown 318 career passes in at the collegiate level go in the top 10 time after time after time and like as a talent he is just ridiculously talented he has a hose he has an arm it's tough to watch Trey Lance and and think that he won't develop into a similar type of quarterback that Josh Allen is right now and while that might be hyperbole he really does have that type of skill set so with that in mind even if it, it even if it is in that small sample size if I'm an organization that needs a quarterback why not say hey we're just going to take him and we're going to trust our scouting process and we're not going to let him slip Maybe. I think it depends on who you are. True. Like, if you are a guy, a GM, or a coach in a situation like the 49ers, like, say what you want, but right now, John Lynch's job is safe. He is not worried about his job. He just got a new contract. Same thing with Kyle Shanahan, plus John works for Kyle. So, like, (laughs) they're good. So they can take a risk, right? They can roll the dice on a guy like Trey Lance. But if you're a GM who's been there for a little while and you're on the hot seat, right? And you're starting to worry, like, I don't know, what am I going to do? Maybe you, maybe you go the other way. Maybe you're so nervous about getting fired. Like you take the guy with the high floor because you're like, I can't screw this up or I'm going to be out of a job. No, that's fair. And that's a good way to, that's a good way to spin it. So Dave Gettleman for the giants, for example, they just took Daniel Jones. You're probably not going to take a quote unquote 
project in Trey Lance after you just took Daniel Jones, who many questions at the time. So there are probably a few other teams like that. So, yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that that point as far as the 49ers go. Yeah, they, I mean, job security for Kyle Shanahan, like it feels like it's his freaking organization. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And if he wants Trey Lance, he's going to get Trey Lance. That's something that I feel like. You know, I live in Connecticut, so I hear a lot of New York sports talk radio and Jet fans now are like over the moon because Robert Sala's there and they feel like like we've got this guy, this grown up, this adult who's going to change the fortunes of the organization. And it reminded me exactly how I felt when Kyle Shanahan was hired. I was like, oh, God, OK, we are past the Tom Sula, the Chip Kelly, like we've got a guy now who just gets it. And I'm I'm so grateful because when you look around the league, I don't know how many of those guys there are. Case in point, like we were talking earlier, Dan Campbell and the Lions like that guy doesn't get it. Like, I just feel like the Niners are so fortunate with what they have right now. They are. They are. They really are. And it would be tough. And if you've just watched football over the past decade, you knew Kyle Shanahan was going to be like a star in this league just from calling plays. He made guys who have no business looking like an NFL quarterback, look like an NFL quarterback. And he's continued to just get the best out of people. And Solid kind of did the same. He evolved a little bit. I mean, he didn't start great, obviously, as we all know, but he evolved and he just continued to get better and better and better. And in his press conference, you can just see his composure versus Campbell's composure. And that that is just night and day. He just seemed prepared for what was coming. So, yeah, I'm rooting for Salah. I hope that he kills it. I think he's going to do a great job. But, yeah, just going back to the 49ers again, how much did Kyle Shannon have to do with Salah's growth? That's another question that I'm sure we we had no idea how to answer. But you you would think it had something to do with it. He did thank Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, he, he, the whole organization. He did the obligatory thank you. Right. Um, but, yeah, we don't really know for sure. But that's a good point. You know, maybe Salah wouldn't have been as good as he was if he didn't have Kyle there. That's something I hadn't actually thought about before. So shout out to you. First time for everything. Even a, <laughs> even a garbage can gets a state. There you go. Uh, you mentioned mock drafts, so I'm going to take a break. But on the other side, I want to get into there's a new mock draft that came out that has the 49ers making a pick. It's not a quarterback. It's not a defensive back. But I got I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of want it to happen anyway. We'll explain who it is and I'll get your take on it because I saw you tweeting about it after the break. Welcome back to the Niners Nation podcast. Shame on me for not reminding you earlier. Please rate, review, subscribe to the Niners Nation podcast network. We love them. We will read them on the show. I promise. Okay, lot to do here in the second half of this pod. First up, new mock draft, Daniel Jeremiah. Niners are at 12. They don't take a quarterback. They don't take a defensive back. They take tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. The Niners have a great tight end already, but I'm not going to lie. I kind of want this to happen. They do. And they've been searching for that backup to Kittle, quote unquote backup. But they've been searching for a tight end too. Thought that was going to be Jordan Reed. Obviously, he was a a shell of himself and he got hurt early on in the season. Reed added something to the offense. But, I mean, he just couldn't do what, you know, they wanted him to do. As far as Pitts goes – yeah, I was I was watching Florida's offense on Friday morning, and that was, you know, before that mock draft came out. And every time Pitts was one-on-one, he would just make his guy look silly. Like, he would get open so effortlessly, so easily, and he's going to be a star in this league. There's nobody that can guard him at the collegiate level. And usually when that's the case, there's nobody that's going to be able to guard you at the NFL level. And he's like, 
just monster size, can run, can catch, can do all the things that you would like. In the 49ers offense, they would be so multiple because you could go Ayuk, Kittle, Pitts, Debo, and live in that formation. You, we would never have to complain about, you know, having a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four because Pitts is essentially like he can be a big slot receiver as well. So he could help Jimmy Garoppolo. He could help Trey Lance. He could help whoever is under center for the 49ers. Yeah, they would be dangerous. They would be deadly. And there would honestly, that would just take out all of the excuses for Jimmy after that because they would be absolutely loaded. And I know people are going to obviously, you have to protect the offensive line, but just keep Keep giving him skill, guys, man. Keep giving him ballers like Pitts because he's probably going to be – he's probably is one of the best 10 players in the NFL draft. That would be – just describe – as you describe the personnel, like if, if you don't realize, like defenses try and predict what kind of a play you're going to run based on who's on the field. Well, if the 49ers are running those people on the field, you have no indication – whatsoever of what the hell they're going to run at you combine that with the way Kyle Shanahan makes basically all his plays look the same they would be just incredible as an offense yeah I think adding even adding more weapons is only going to open up your running game because defenses are going to have to respect you when you open up and throw the ball so knowing that if you want to live in that quote-unquote 12 personnel with two tight ends Raheem Mostert just had a, a just running rushing lanes just open up time and time again so I think and that in a way that goes back to the quarterback as well. So if you have a threat, they're going to have to respect that threat. And now the running game opens up. So and the offensive line just magically gotten be- got got better as well. So that it's a trickle down effect. It's a domino effect. But Pitts would just be so fun for this offense, man. You mentioned the ground game. Let's go there because a member of the 49ers running back core made a comment recently that got a lot of 49ers fans mad And I don't really know why. So Jarek McKinnon was on Instagram Live with, I think it was Debo, right? Yeah, it was. He was with Debo. And so Debo asks Jet, are you going to come back to the 49ers next year? And Jet says, very simply, and I quote, no. (laughs) (laughs) And people are mad about this, Kyle. Like, demanding that, that Jet McKinnon, like, give back money and and are mad at him as if he owes the organization something. Owes them nothing. He is a player who is an unrestricted free agent. Down the stretch, he was never on the field. Like he was the kick returner. That's it. That's all he would do. And even before the games, um, and you got nobody else would probably see this, but before the games, I remember week 16, as the special teams, special teams come out in the, comes out on the field before everybody else does. So Ayuk, Bourne, Craycraft are returning punts, and McKinnon is returning kicks. McKinnon, after returning a few kicks, walks to the goalpost and sits down on the goalpost. And that he's just doing that for like 10, 10 15 minutes, not doing anything. <laughs> seriously. And this is hilarious. And I'm wondering, what is seriously, you're not going to practice? You're not going to warm up or anything? But again, he's not on the field. He knows he's not going to play. He's just a kick returner. So knowing that he's not going to come back, knowing the history, knowing what the 49ers have at running back with Mostert, with um, Wilson, with probably Hasty, and that's probably going to be their three guys unless they add an, a UDFA in the draft. Why would he come back? Why would you be upset that he doesn't want to come back? Why would you be upset that a guy who we know probably is not going to come back says he's not? He's just saying the obvious. He's saying that we already knew. It's just the manner of which he said it in is what's getting people upset. 
But I mean, come on, man. He's what the fourth string running back at best. So, and he doesn't have like the same juice that he once had when, when they initially signed him, he's been injured. He's not coming back. Who cares, man? If, if this was anybody else, nobody would care. And that's the weird thing, Kyle, is like if you ask 49er fans, do you want Jet McKinnon back next year? Most of them would say no. So like, what are you mad about? You don't want this guy back anyway. Who cares if he wants to come back? Yeah, it sounds like they're just mad because they want to be mad or just finding something to be mad about. I'm trying to think of like, who would be another player who you knew wasn't going to come back would would react like that like why because they have there's so many free agents um i mean we could just name any name but i I just can't see anybody else i can't see that same reaction and it's it's mind-boggling but again off season there's nothing else to talk about so when you see a player when you see a player that's been on your team when you see somebody talking to a guy like debo who's a very popular figure in the fan base it almost comes off as like f you to the team um he I don't know. I, you can just go on and on about this, but who cares is, is the bottom line. Like It doesn't matter. And I saw somebody say that, you know, Debo was kind of in an awkward position. I don't think so at all. I think he was just like, oh, okay, that's how he feels. And they just kept the conversation going, like, because he doesn't care. So if he doesn't care, why should we? It's a job to them. The 49ers are a company in the industry in which they work. And, like, I know people don't like to hear that, but that's how it is. Like, that's how they have to look at it. It is their job. And sometimes you change companies in your job. So more power to Jet. I hope he goes somewhere and plays well. By the way, just Jet McKinnon as a kick returner, like considering the speed he's lost, Kyle, how good would the blocking have to be on a kick return for Jet to break one? I'm trying to think. So he had maybe, did he have any memorable kick returns this year? So what was the most memorable play that he had this season? I know he had a long run on third and forever against the Jets. That's it. Okay. I I want to say he had another play, but I feel like we're selling him short. And I want to I don't want to make it seem like we're taking away from him because he was a fine pass blocker. Like he did what he was supposed to do in that sense. But he's just not Jeff Wilson and he's not Raheem Mostert. And, and that's pretty that's as simple as we can make it. Absolutely. All right, let's move on from Jet. I want to get to a couple of more things. First, uh, the 49ers need a new assistant defensive line coach. And there was a report from ESPN's Josina Anderson that they are talking to Daryl Tapp. You may remember him from his Seahawks days. I don't love the idea of bringing in anyone associated with the Seahawks. Usually that goes in the other direction. But Daryl Tapp as assistant D-line coach, Kyle, is this a good thing? What are his connections to the team? I don't know what to think about this. No, I think it is a good thing because – He's a wide nine advocate, and I believe that they've been doing something similar like that in Virginia Tech. That's where he currently is the assistant NFL or the assistant defensive line coach. So, as you mentioned, Tap played with the Seahawks, but he was in the NFL from 2006 to 2017. So, he has plenty of experience. Uh, he played with Chris Kosirik in Detroit. So, there is also that. He also played with D'Amico Ryans in 2012 in Philadelphia. He also spent a season in Washington with Kyle Shanahan. So his ties to the 49ers are plentiful. They and what I've gathered from Tap and one of uh, one of the Lions fans, he covers him. He went to the training camp and he said Daryl Tap is the loudest person ever. Tons of energy. If you went to a Lions training camp when it, it, when you could hear. You could hear him above everything else from two fields away. You could sometimes hear him yelling from the sideline on the broadcast too. So get, getting tap and getting Kosirik 
together, there's no point to have music at practice anymore because you would just be all kind of noise. But I imagine that he's a great teacher. And I imagine filling your coaching staff out with players in the same sense that Ryan, like if you're expecting to have the same effect in which Ryan's had, when guys are going to buy in to a guy who they know who have played the game for a while, who have played the game at a high level, and that can connect with the players. Because I always say, as a coach, it doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you can get your players to know. So if you're a player, it's easy for you to connect to another player. So I imagine Tap is going to be a phenomenal job or a phenomenal hire if he does end up being added. And he'll be able to bring out the best in you know, the current players on the defensive line. So I, I have nothing bad to say. I am all for adding players to the staff and just getting guys who can relate to the players is a big deal. And that's why Sal is going to kill it in the Jets. That's why we saw Matt Patricia struggle in Detroit and Tap is not that guy. It is interesting how many former players the 49ers have now or have had on their staff. I mean, you mentioned Ryan's already, Tap possibly, Wes Welker on the offensive side of the ball. Miles Austin was there, who I think actually went with Sala to the Jets now that I think of it. But like they have stocked their team with guys basically make me feel old because I remember when they were actually playing in the league. Seriously. Do do you remember Daryl Tap at Virginia Tech? Oh, no, like, not at Virginia Tech, but with, in the NFL, yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to be like a really, really good player. It was almost like it was a surprise that he fell to the second round. So, yeah, we see Tap, I believe, and this is going on like a, an entirely different tangent, but Miami signed like three players who we all know of, and one of, their, one of the recruits that Miami signed was Rick Ross's son. So that's how old we are, and, and there are all, all types of players. Um, Asante, Samuel, Asante Samuel's – son is going to be in the NFL next year. And there's going to be a few of those. And I just thinking of all the guys that we grew up with, um, Aaron Glenn, you're watching Aaron Glenn on the jets. Now he's right. a defensive he's coordinator. Now, right? Yeah. It's nuts, man. Yeah. Patrick Sertain's son, right. Yeah. He's going to be in the draft yeah. class. Like I remember him with Miami. Great. Damn. <laughs> so, well, I hope it works out. I, I liked the kind of the former coaches in the pipeline there. I think that's good. Like you pointed out. I mean, the 49ers seem to be building their coaching staff on defense, like high energy, like Sala always said it, all gas, no breaks. Like that seems to be the culture that they sort of want to maintain. Yeah, and it should be. And you want to get players that – so first of all, that quote-unquote slogan, that'll get somebody to buy in because you know what you're about. So all gas, no breaks, all gas, no break, which is what Sala likes to say. And he he actually makes it clear that it's not plural for whatever reason. But anyway – Sorry. No, I know he he would probably correct you if you if you were in a press conference with him, which maybe that goes down to the the details and what makes Salah so good. But um, you have a slogan, you have something that gets guys to buy in and you want to be able to get players to play fast. You want to be able to get them to go 100 miles an hour all the time. So I, I love that train of thought in, in why it's, you know, kind of a, a funny slogan for us to say it, it does mean something in a sense. It does, because what we always hear players say is they never want to be thinking about what to do. They always want to be able to just react on instinct. And I feel like we think of that all the time on defense. But the same applies on offense to every position, I think. Even the quarterback, I feel like, needs to get in a spot where it's just instinctive. They're not thinking about it. They're just reacting. I don't think we've gotten to that spot with Jimmy Garoppolo. You've talked about it. I've talked about it, how if his first read is not there, the instinct does not kick in. He kind of turtles a little bit. 
They brought back Rich Scangarello as quarterback's coach. I've seen some people, and they're probably the Jimmy Stans, say that that is going to be the key, that Scangarello is the guy that connects with Jimmy, that can help him get to that point where he could be more instinctual. Does that hold any water to you? What year did Scangarello leave? 17 or 18? He left uh, 18, right? So if that's the case... Why do we not blame him or why does he get credit for Jimmy playing poorly in 2020, but not when the 49ers went to the freaking Super Bowl with Jimmy? Like, <laughs> how, how do we, how, where do we draw the line at that? So you can't say Scangarello had a lot to do with Jimmy's development when he wasn't on the team, when they had, when he had his most success. Is that just because he stayed healthy? Meh. I don't know. That's not fair. And that's taken way too much away from Shane Day and Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the offensive staff. So I don't think that's fair to say. So I'm sure Scangarello had plenty of positive, had a positive impact on Garoppolo. But to say that just because Scangarello is back, Jimmy G is going to return to like the best form of, you know, t- the end of 2017. Even in the early part of 2018, Jimmy wasn't exactly lighting it up. But here we are. It's easy to, you know, give coaches credit because you had some success, but yeah, I just, I don't see that having, you know, the same type of success that other fans their quote unquote stands feel like what happened with bringing Scangarello back. This is a general question because whether it's Jimmy G or Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard or Brian Hoyer, whoever the 49ers have had under center with Kyle Shanahan, the dudes throw a lot of picks. Why? Why do they throw so many damn interceptions? Yeah, you can't blame those on the QB coach. It's about the guys making the decisions who are on the field. And that's what it's going to come down to next season. So let's say that Garoppolo is under center week one. If Garoppolo throws an interception or has, you know, just a bad play, we cannot all of a sudden say, oh, this Scangarello, why'd they bring him back? Because that's what's going to happen, I imagine. So, yeah, we just have to be honest and say, if a quarterback does not play well, it's probably the quarterback's fault. If the quarterback plays well, it's probably on the quarterback. The coaches have a lot of influence as far as what to do, as far as prep, as far as where to go, where where you should go with the ball before the game, but they're not in his headset as the play's going on saying, throw it here, throw it here, throw it here. No, it's it. that's on the quarterback. I'm just going to leave you with this last thought. We don't have to dive into it and spend the whole show on it. I just want to plant this thought. I'm leaving it in here now as we head into the weekend. Adam Schefter was on with Adam Shine today on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio and said it doesn't matter who the head coach of the Texans is. He's hearing that Deshaun Watson just wants out. And I know, like, look, I've been with the people that are saying it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But the longer this goes the better the chances the 49ers make a crazy move and the planets align. That would be lovely, man. I I just couldn't imagine a better situation than getting Deshaun Watson. Like there's, you're not going to find a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. So uh, I believe we've seen just crazy scenarios as it is, and you're going to have to trade multiple first round picks. The the issue that people I think are having is what are you going to do with the rest of your roster in the event that you do trade all of that draft capital, my response would be look at the chiefs 
look at how they how their roster is they have a bad offensive line and you have no idea because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson is not Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson is not far off from Patrick Mahomes we have no idea of that because he plays for the Houston Texans that's the only reason why if he played for Kyle Shanahan the perception of Deshaun Watson among the casual fans would be that, you know, oh, all of a sudden he is this top tier, uh, top three quarterback. But that's what he was this season. And he was in he did that in a bad situation. I still think he ends up with the Jets. I think he requested Salah. I think they're going to make a move for him. But I would absolutely love if the 49ers got Deshaun Watson just because I think Brandon Ayuk's ceiling would just, oh, my goodness. He would he would instantly become one of the, the 10 best receivers in the NFL if he had Deshaun Watson because of what he does on the field would pair so well with what Deshaun Watson does. And I just think people need to get over this whole fear of three first-round picks. Like, it sounds scary, but what if I put it to you this way, Kyle? What if I said we get Deshaun Watson and we trade the Texans A.J. Jenkins, Rashawn Woods, and Kentuan Balmer, who, by the way, were all first-round picks. Like, you're not – just because you're trading a first-round pick doesn't mean you're trading Nick Bosa and Patrick Willis and Joe Staley. They could suck. Yeah, that's the that's another part. It, we we just overvalue draft picks way too much. Uh, look at the draft history, as you said. Just go through the second and third round if you want to over the previous years. They're not. It's not going to be great, but you can do that for so many different teams. Whereas Deshaun is an established player. He's not just an established player. He is an established quarterback. He's twenty five years old. You have Deshaun Watson for at least another decade, I imagine. And who knows by then how, how long quarterbacks are playing. And if you're worried about his athleticism deteriorating, he's not a guy that's just looking to scramble. He's going to hang in there as long as he wants, as long as he can to make a play down the field. So um, three first round picks within a blink of an eye with no hesitation would do it. Keep it moving because I know my team would be a Super Bowl contender, no questions asked, for the foreseeable future. And that's the goal. Like, that's the whole point of building a team is to get to the top. To get to the top, you're going to need the top players. Deshaun Watson is the top player. Make the move. And speaking of top players, by the way, who's the 49ers' best and most dependable player on defense? Uh, Yep, Fred Warner, probably. Was he a first-round pick? He was not. He was not a second-round pick either. He was a safety who switched to linebacker, and the 49ers drafted him in the third round. He, they developed him. Who knew? Who's the best player on offense for the 49ers, skill position-wise? Fifth-round pick, George Kittle. One of the 49ers' best receivers, Debo Samuel. Second-round pick. Like, you can find guys that other oh, yeah. rounds besides the first is my point. Do not be afraid to trade first-round picks when you're getting a known stud, a baller into Sean Watson. That's all I'm saying. Superstars. It's all about getting those superstars. And yeah, that, that's a good point. So Kittle, um, fifth rounder, had injury history, fell. And they can you can look around the league and Travis Kelsey, the other best tight end, not a first. I believe he went in the third round. You can just go down the line, list, list, list. All these guys at the top. Adam Thielen, undrafted free agent, star in the NFL, receiver. So all these, there's so many different players around the NFL that were not taken in the first round that, I don't know, they, The point is Deshaun Watson can be had. We can trade those three first round picks if that's what it takes. If they want more, we'll give them a couple more. No worries, because we are getting back a star player. And that again, that's the goal. We want to get the best players in 
and he is going to be healthy. We know that. Yes, he may, he tore his ACL. That the same with Jimmy. You can't hold that against him. But there has been multiple seasons from Jimmy, even with the Patriots, where he was banged up. I think people forget that as well. So um, that's just not the case with Deshaun. Like ACL is fluky, but there, when it's consistent every season or every other season, that's an issue. Yeah, and he's had a terrible offensive line. He's taken a ton of hits. And by the way. Jimmy's a guy that gets banged up all the time and misses time. Deshaun Watson's the guy that thought his eye was hanging out of his socket and still threw a touchdown pass on the play. Just throwing that out there. There is a slight difference between the two. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's nothing else to go based off that. like That's where we should leave the cliffhanger at because he is a tough dude. And I'm not saying Jimmy's not tough, but we have evidence of Watson being able to play through these injuries. As you said, his eye was not attached to his socket, and he still threw a touchdown. Give me Deshaun. That's where we're leaving it. Again, please rate, review, subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am on Deshaun Watson alert from now until whenever that happens. If it does, I check my phone every morning just praying that we see the little update that Deshaun Watson has been traded. But we will be with you every step of the offseason. Enjoy what's coming up next because, again, it's going to be fun. Just strap in. It's going to be a crazy offseason. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. 